Hey everybody, and uh, welcome to our church in your home today. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for joining us. We just wanted to um, ask God's richest blessing on you, your home, your family, whoever's watching. Uh, however you're watching and whoever you're watching with, we just thank you for joining us today. We hope that God blesses you and God keeps you and strengthens you and your family and all those that you uh, are praying for and, and all connected to. Uh, we're just thankful that you joined us today. We just are excited about today being Palm Sunday 2020, such a, a great time in the Christian faith and uh, that we celebrate. What a, what a wonderful time. What a wonderful time of the year, um, even though our culture right now and our world is experiencing something uh, unusual, a bit strange and uh, really unfamiliar. I really want to thank the Lord that we have this opportunity in the middle of this to celebrate Jesus Christ like never before. We celebrate Him all the time, but today is especially um, a great celebration because of the Easter holiday. So God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Um, we're looking forward to bringing uh, a couple more things this week to you, maybe just some devotionals, some words of encouragement, or maybe some announcements. And then next week, we're going to be having our uh, Easter service right here, taking communion. So um, just as we announced before, we want you to um, you know, get your, your juice or crackers, whatever it is, bread, uh, whatever you do for communion, however you feel the Lord lead you there, and get everybody ready, get it all ready next week when we um, come and, and uh, gather for church next week. Uh, we're going to take communion together. We're just going to remember the Lord's um, death, burial, and resurrection together and there is life in the communion there's healing wholeness and length of days so we're excited about that I uh, just want to encourage you to stay strong keep the faith as Paul encouraged us and keep praying keep believing God for the best and uh, sometimes we lose our mind over what God has already figured out and so let's let's um, take our rest in him and let's take our our confidence in the Lord that he's got this and uh, so I just want to encourage you today. Someone said that you determine, it's determined a lot uh, by what people go through and, and what we um, kind of go through in life is that a, a person's greatness uh, is determined by what it takes to discourage them. And so um, as someone said, you determine a person's greatness by what it takes to discourage them. And uh, as Paul said in Acts chapter 20, as he was talking about his sufferings and uh, his incarcerations and things and his sufferings, he said this, he said, I have all these things that I'm going through, but none of these things move me. And so I want to encourage you, say that today, none of these things are going to move me. They're not going to shake me in a, in a negative way. They're going to uh, strengthen my faith, my family, and uh, all the things that God has promised us in this nation, in my home, my life. Uh, amen. I believe that. Today I just want to share with you as being Palm Sunday just a, a wonderful account of uh, really that time in Jesus' life. It was the last um, days of his life and uh, as we follow up we'll see that um, Jesus was uh, being led out of the city. He had already gone through the trials and and uh, just really there was kind of really uh, 48 hours of just a process that Jesus um, started going into of the crucifixion. And so it wasn't just one day, it was, you know, days that leading up to it. And uh, he suffered a, a long, long time. And uh, there was about 36 hours that Jesus was up, awake, and not sleeping and suffering. And so it was a long process. But in Luke chapter 23, I just want to pick up the story here where Jesus is being led out of Jerusalem with the cross on his back. And um, the Bible says that 
he was being led out of Jerusalem with two other people, two other uh, men who were going to be crucified that day. In Luke chapter 23, verse 33 and 34, it says that two others, they were criminals, who were led out to be executed with Jesus at a place called the Skull. They're all three right there. They were crucified, and Jesus was put in the center. His center was, cross was in the center, and the two criminals on either side. And verse 34, I love this. Jesus said, Father, forgive these people, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothing, throwing dice for each piece. As Jesus was being nailed to the cross, one translation says that he prayed over and over again, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. As you follow the accounts of the cross, you'll see that Jesus was crucified at 9 o'clock in the morning around then, and then he died at 3 p.m., six hours on the cross. One of the things that were amazing about Jesus being on the cross is that there are seven times that Jesus spoke. These are called the seven last sayings of Jesus. And I, I want to talk to you today about the last words, the last words. Of Jesus, You know, when we think about the last words, you usually think about uh, someone who is usually dying. And in this case, as Jesus, people are dying. And often it's the most important words they're going to speak. And, and sometimes the most memorable. The most memorable words are spoken right at that time before their, uh, their death and they're dying. And they're called on their deathbed. Some people have these, uh, you know, these uh, words of comfort and others it's not so good. Uh, you know, there's times where uh, as we gather around, maybe somebody who's um, dying on their deathbed and, or, or in a situation like that, um, it's comforting to know that they've made their peace with God. It's comforting to know that Jesus is their Savior and their home is in heaven. It's comforting. And for a lot of people, um, they have those deathbed experiences where um, they realize that their life is ending and they realize their life uh, has not been that of uh, serving the Lord and Jesus was not their Lord and they were not born again and so they they take those moments and say I want to get right with God before I die because I know that uh, I probably will see him uh, as I close my eyes and so they they talk about the the most important times and a lot of people uh, express true feelings they they say what they've always wanted to say um, in their last words they say their last goodbyes they give their last wishes, and sometimes they express their desires and their will, uh, what they want, maybe with their possessions or their kids or their homes or whatever, and they express their last wishes. Some confess um, lifelong secrets. Some, some people confess uh, sin, and they confess lifelong secrets and things that nobody knew about. And, uh, you know, you see these old movies where some people, you know, they finally tell everybody where the treasure is or whatever. And, and, uh, but in reality, you know, this is the most, some of those important times. Uh, some people, unfortunately, speak in anger. They're cursing God or, or resenting their life or angry uh, that they're dying. And, um, you know, so unfortunately that happens. But in Jewish tradition, the last words that were spoken by a father as he was dying or um, a leader that was dying were the most important, whether it was a king or a father. And a lot of times they would get their children around them and they would lay hands on them and they would speak blessing over them. And they would talk about their inheritance and they would talk about uh, maybe land or they would talk about possessions. And, and, and a lot of times they would say, this is who you are and this is what you're going to do. So it was a time of to create an identity. And, and then there was a, a time that it was almost like your destiny. And for, so from that day on, uh, you live by what your father or the king had spoke over your life. 
and, uh, and everything up to that point really didn't matter. But it was that day, that was the last words that they were speaking that were the most important. And so we see here that the same thing with Jesus. His last words were some of the most significant and important. Even though he taught for three and a half years and he preached and, and the Bible says he was in the synagogue every day preaching. And, but these words were so important. And these are what we call the essential words of Jesus. Why? Because he said, Father, forgive them. He speaks of forgiveness. And forgiveness is one of the most essential aspects of the Christian faith. In fact, it, it has a lot to do with the love of God. Everything kind of hinges on these principles right here, this aspect of God's love. There's so many things that hinge on forgiveness. We're hearing a lot about essential and non-essential things today. Let me tell you something. Forgiveness is essential. And Jesus knew that. And so that's why he prayed this. He didn't pray, Father, forgive me. Of course, he was an innocent man, so he wouldn't need to pray that. And, and he said, Father, forgive them because they were torturing him. And they didn't know what they were doing, um, the Bible says. And so even in his death, he spoke life for us. Even in his death, when people were killing him, he forgave them. I mean, he expressed his true heart. The Father's heart came out at that moment. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This was the last blessing, as it were, that he would pronounce. But I just wanted to say this, that the, the priority of God's uh, love, right here, the priority of God's love is revealed. It revealed his plan. It revealed the plan of God all along. When Jesus said this, it was not only expressed God's love, but it revealed his plan. Because his plan was to forgive. His plan, Jesus said, I've come to seek and save that which was lost. And he said, I didn't come to be ministered to. I came to minister and give my life as a ransom for many. So he came, amen, for this reason and this purpose right here. And so he expressed it in his last words at the cross, Father, forgive them. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, I love this scripture because it describes what Jesus has done. And it says this in verse 6. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. Verse 8. And He has showered His kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. The Bible says here that Jesus has purchased our freedom. He has purchased our freedom. Forgiveness is freedom. He's purchased our freedom by, the, by forgiving our sins. Why? Because the word forgiveness means to release. It means to pardon. It means forgiveness and freedom and liberty. And so Jesus declares this when he says, Father, forgive them. He's declaring freedom. He's declaring uh, uh, deliverance. And I love that. You know, at this time of the year, You'll see this sign. Uh, so many times you'll see a post. And I saw it the other day and I just love it. And it's been around for a long time, but I still love it. And you see the sign where it says, one cross, three nails, forgiven. And I love that. It's such a great picture of what Jesus did. But I just wanted to say this. Listen, nothing, nothing neutralizes the power of darkness like forgiveness. There's nothing like it. 
uh, forgiveness has the power and ability through God to neutralize the work of the enemy, to neutralize Satan, to neutralize uh, his power and the power of sin and sickness and disease. The Bible says that forgiveness, amen, has that ability. Because we see that when Jesus said, Father, forgive them. And then hours later he died. The Bible says that in that moment he rendered Satan powerless. He, he took over all authority of all the kingdoms of this world and the worlds that are unseen. But, you know, I like what an old preacher said that before Jesus was the great physician, he was the great forgiver. And saying we forgive and forgiving, we know are two different things. It's, it's, sometimes it is easy to say, hey, I'm sorry, please forgive me. But, you know, to do it is, is, is something totally different. And Jesus showed us forgiveness. He didn't just say it, he showed us forgiveness. It was at the same moment that they were nailing his hands and his feet, he said, forgive. And forgiveness is not a cheap thing. It's, it's not a coward's way out of a situation. Forgiveness is very costly. Um, you know, and, and, and we'll just look at this, 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 as Jesus said this, this kind of forgiveness is given before it is asked for. Jesus gave this forgiveness. He offered this forgiveness before He asked it. Before He asked us, He gave it. And I love that about the Lord. You know, the hardest people... Sometimes to forgive in life is those that think they know or don't know. They don't really know that they're doing wrong. Or they don't realize they're doing wrong. Um, or some people that they know they're wrong and they just don't care. Um, in this case with the Roman soldiers as they were nailing Jesus' hands to the cross, they didn't know. They just didn't know they were wrong. It's hard. We, you could justify yourself and say, I don't have to forgive them. I don't have to do that. Or they were mean to me. They're persecuting me. And I don't need to forgive them. But that's the hardest place to be in, isn't it? But Jesus did it anyways. And I want to thank the Lord for that. Look at the, God's view of us. How God viewed us and still does in certain times. But he viewed us. And we were sinners. And, and, and before we met the Lord, we were enemies. And, and before we, we knew Him, the Bible says we were separated. Your sins separate you from God. We were in disobedience. That's what sin is. Sin is disobedience. We walked according to our own way and our own will. And we, we did what we wanted to do. And we worshipped we, what we wanted to worship. Anything besides the Lord. And here's God's view of us who are separated, disobedient, or rebellious a lot of times. Uh, just absolutely in sin. And yet in that moment, in that environment, in that uh, place that we're in, He forgives us. He offers forgiveness. I don't understand why He would do it. And I don't understand why He should do it, but He does it. And I just thank the Lord for that. And I, I think that one of the, as I look back at my life and, and see how the Lord has worked, I, I realize that it, it was led us up to this point. And as Jesus was coming to this point in the cross, I believe that He was coming to this place that as God does in so many times in our lives, that He wants us to desire Him as much as He desires us. He wants us to rely on Him. He wants us to believe and receive Him. And He wants us to trust Him. In every relationship that's successful, there is something called trust. And God wants us to trust Him. This is why Jesus went and He did what He did and He said what He said because He was building trust that we can trust Him. Amen is our Father.
And I love that because one of the things I realize is that uh, as I go through these situations in life that are hard for me or hard for all of us, we realize there's somebody we can trust. There's something we can trust, and I can trust the Lord. He, he is who He said He would be. And He wants me not just to, to, to receive Him and trust Him, but He also wants me to give freely what He gave me freely. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, Jesus was talking about prayer, but brings a very important principle out about forgiveness. He said this in verse 14 of chapter 6, And when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others, so that your Father in heaven also will forgive you. But if you withhold forgiveness from others, your Father withholds forgiveness from you. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Paul said this, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So in other words, the same way that Jesus has loved you and forgiven you and shown grace to you, that's how we are to do for other people. And forgiveness is, that, is so essential because it's what we've received from God that God asks us to give to other people. Remember this, that grace and mercy and forgiveness were never supposed to stop with you. They were never to end at your life and you're just with you. They were never intended to stop with you. In fact, those who feel that grace is about them really don't understand the grace of God at all. And I believe, as the Bible teaches, that we cannot get mercy unless we are merciful. That's, that's what the Bible says. You know, a person who cannot forgive others will find it difficult to really forgive themselves of their own failures. It's important that we extend forgiveness. It's, it's important that we understand God's forgiveness Excuse me for our lives. I really believe that. And Jesus knew that if we become uh, just unforgiving in our hearts, unforgiving in our nature, after a while, that it'll come back and, and backfire on us because you reap what you sow, the Bible says. And so this is what God is asking of us. He's just saying, look, he said, you know, you've got to forgive others. And, and it's, it's great because we want to forgive or receive the forgiveness of the Lord. It's powerful. It's amazing. But then we get face to face with who we are and we get face to face with God's love and his forgiveness. And we realize I've got to do the same thing. Just the way that God is forgiving me, just the way that God is accepting me and bringing me in and, and the way that he loves me, I've got to love others just as powerful, just as real and just as true as he does with me. And I've noticed this about the Lord as well, and especially this principle when it comes to forgiveness in any relationship, a marriage relationship. Let's take a marriage relationship that's very strong and healthy and successful. What do we know about it? Well, we know this, that it takes two, doesn't it? it we, we say it takes two to tango, but it takes two to make a marriage work. It really does. You know, one person can work hard and do all these things and try to love and sacrifice, but it takes two. It takes two people loving. It takes two people sacrificing. It takes two people working together at that marriage to make that marriage successful. And, uh, but I wanted to just say this, that when it comes to forgiveness, when Jesus teaches on forgiveness and mostly about love, when he teaches us on forgiveness, he really teaches it's one-sided. It's really one-sided. He says you don't have to wait for other people. They, they don't have to do what they're expected or their job. Or they don't have to measure up to what you think they should do. You are to forgive and not worry about what they do. You just forgive and release. That's what you do. And that's the principle of forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, Peter asked Jesus this question. He said, Lord, how often 
should I forgive a brother who sins against me? Notice, not against God, but against me. He said, should it be seven times? Should it be seven times? And so Jesus answered him and yet taught him something very uh, interesting. He taught a multiplication. He said, yeah, seven times, but then the 70 more times. So 70 times seven, that's 490 times. He said, you need to forgive. Forgive. I mean, that's a lot of times. That's a lot of times. Some of you, with some people that you know and love, you're on the 488th time. That's great. You've got two more times to go. Keep going. But I think that if you put this in perspective, this is a lot. This is an overwhelming amount of times that you are to forgive people. This is crazy. I mean, it's seven times a day for the next 70 days or however you want to do it. You think about it. You've got to forgive somebody 70, seven times a year for the next 70 years, however you want to do it. I mean, you've got to forgive them. That's what Jesus said. That's how much he wants forgiveness to flow among us. That's how much he wants us to practice this principle that he told us. His last words, one of his last words to us was to forgive. And I love this about the Lord. And he also knew that really that it would take us a lifetime to do this. He knew we would work, we would just be busy doing this. We, we, we would just, it would be like become a daily exercise to forgive. It would become a daily routine and a daily practice for us to <clears throat> forgive others. And the reason he asked us to do this this many times is because he practices this principle with us. Oh yeah, you know that. And I know that. Uh, he has practiced this principle with me so many times. How many times has the Lord just said, yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. I forgive you. I forgive you. The Bible says that His mercy is new every morning. I love it. And His loving kindness lasts a lifetime. He loves us. He loves us. And I love that about the Lord, that He's so willing and so ready to forgive. He's such a faithful and forgiving God. I love that. The Bible says again in Ephesians, as we talked about, forgive one another, even if, as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. It means to release and it means to let go. But you know, a lot of times we release and we let go with a feeling of pain. As Jesus was being nailed to the cross at that moment in that pain, of that torture, he, in that pain, he still felt the pain. In that moment, he said, with the pain, forgive. And there's so many times that we, we release, we let go, and we want to wait till the, you know, we feel better about it until we're ready. But that's not what Jesus taught us. And that's not anger. That's not anger, but there is pain there. And I, I love what the late T.F. Tinney said from his book, Water from an Old Well. He said, there is no art to forgiveness. There really is no art. You just do it. And you do it with a heart, amen, of, 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 of grace and, and love. But there's four things that I think that we have a tendency to, to say about forgiveness. It's kind of the, um, you know, just the way we look at it and the way we think about it. You know, we, we'd say this, well, I'll forgive, but I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready to forgive. I'm not ready. I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready to forgive. We say uh, something like, what if nothing changes? What if I forgive them and, and I, I, I reach out to them or I forgive them and nothing changes? Uh, you know, what if, what if I, I want to really do my best and try my best to love this person, but nothing really changes? And then how about this one? This one's classic. They just don't deserve it. They just don't deserve it. They don't deserve my, my forgiveness. They, I'm not going to waste a forgiveness on them. I'm going to save all four, 490 for somebody else. No, that, that's just not the way it works. And then the last thing I think that we tend to say about forgiveness is you just don't understand. You don't understand the situation. You don't understand the hurt. You don't understand the years that, that this happened. And I went through that and, and the money that I lost and the time that I 
lost and, and, and the pain that I went through or the frustration that I experienced, you just don't understand. Well, I believe that Jesus did understand. He does understand. He understands all of the things that we said. He understands all the things we go through as he's hanging there on a cross uh, with just ab- agonizing in pain, struggling to breathe for six hours. He understood, amen, that in your pain you still forgive. I like what I heard years ago in Walk in the Word podcast, that there was two misconceptions about forgiveness, and it kind of goes like this, that number one, I, I can't forgive until I forget. And the second misconception is I can't forget until I forgive. You know, sometimes you're just not going to forget. You may never forget, but you have to forgive. And I believe that the Lord helps us and gives us the strength to do that. But, you know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament, and I've used this many times, and I've said this, that God throws my sin in a sea of forgetfulness. And as I look that scripture up, you know, we just have a tendency to say things. We're not, we just heard it over the years, but we say sin of uh, the sea of forgetfulness, but it really says it a little different. In Micah chapter 7, verse 19, it says that God forgets our sins so completely that they may, might as well be buried at the bottom of an ocean. So it doesn't mean that, that, that our sins are erased from God's mind. Uh, it, it, this is what the scripture is talking about. Is, and I love this about the Lord. This ocean represents a place where our sins are sent very far from us. And so that they can no longer affect us. And it's God's mercy that he chooses not to bring them back up to the surface. Because he loves us. That's forgiveness. Forgiveness really is uh, um, may seem... You know, apologizing and asking for forgiveness may seem uncomfortable. It may seem awkward and to some downright annoying. Um, It's never wrong to ask for forgiveness. It's never wrong to forgive somebody. It's never wrong and out of uh, compromise or lower your standards to ask for forgiveness or to forgive other people. It doesn't feel like the right solution the most of the time, but it's the right thing to do. I've, I've told the Lord that many times. I said, you know, it just doesn't seem like the right solution. I mean, I know what I have to do. I, you know, I hear you speaking to me. I read it in the scriptures, you know, that I've got to forgive and then I won't, then I won't be forgiven. And I know that's the solution, but I, there's got to be something else. And, you know, a lot of times there is something else. You've got to forgive and then something else needs to happen. I got that. But it's always seem, it always doesn't seem like the right solution at the time. But as we move in faith and by faith in the midst of it all, say, Lord, I'm just going to do what you did for me. And by grace, I'm just going to do this. By faith, I'm going to do this. Forgiveness is uh, immediate. It's It's total. And, and really, it's unilateral. So it's now, it's to all, and it's for everyone. And I believe that with all my heart. And again, forgiveness means the releasing of. It's the releasing really from an obligation. And if we want to put it plainly, it's releasing from an obligation of people that owe us something. You owe me. I, I asked for forgiveness. Now it's your turn. No, we're releasing that. We're giving up the rights of that. We're, we're turning that over to the Lord. Just saying, God, I, I don't know what that other person's going to do. I really don't. And I don't even know if I'll ever hear from them again or hear about it again. And they may never know. They may be like those Roman soldiers that they just went on their own way, crucifying the Lord, you know, and, and, and uh, gambling over his, uh, you know, rolling dice for his clothes and, and mocking him and laughing. That's okay. I believe Jesus wants us to do the right thing. And I believe that we literally tie. If it's possible, I believe we can do this. We can tie the hands of God 
when we do not forgive one another. God can't break and violate his word. So I want to put that out there. It's very important to do that. And my last point, I just want to bring this out. It's important that as I was thinking about this, I said, Lord, there's so many wonderful things about forgiveness. I mean, when I'm talking about your forgiveness, I'm talking about your love and your mercy. I'm talking about your kindness and your tenderness, your long-suffering, as David uh, said. I, I, that's what I think about when I think about God's forgiveness. But I, I had to ask myself, what, how do I unlock it or how does it be released in my life? How does it open up? And I believe it's through How do I receive it? I believe it's through this. I believe it's through one word, and that is repentance. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, that God does not want anybody to perish, but everybody come to repentance. Psalms 145, verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful, compassionate, patient, and ready to forgive. Always ready to forgive. The Lord is uh, ready to forgive. I love that. And, and, you know, repentance has been looked at by many as something that, you know, we don't want to talk about it. It's kind of, you know, it, it's, it, it kind of repels people. You know, it's not really attractive to talk about. We don't want to talk about repentance, you know. And let me just say this. It's the most amazing thing that God has revealed to us. It is the most amazing thing in our lives. When, when a couple is fighting and they're not getting along. And that time when they come together and they apologize and hug one another and, and they... You know, and they just really forgive one another. There's such wholeness and healing. There's such strength there. See, repentance is not weakness. Repentance is strength. We look at it as a weakness. We think, well, you know, I I don't want to talk about it. We don't have to go there. Maybe there's another way around it. No, repentance releases God's forgiveness. Repentance releases, amen, and, and sets you free, puts you in that realm of freedom and pardon and deliverance. Amen. And I really believe that. And so repentance is more than just saying, I'm sorry. It's showing you're sorry. It's, it, as Jesus said, he showed uh, true sorrow, true brokenness, true love at the cross. And so repentance is something that we can exercise to release and receive forgiveness from the Lord. If it's done in brokenness and humility and love, um, you know, I believe this is strength. I really do. And Jesus really showed us how to do this. And he showed us, not just showed us how to forgive someone, he showed us how to receive forgiveness. Because a lot of us, when people come to us and they want to apologize, we harden our heart. And he's like, no, uh, you need to feel the pain that I felt. You need to go through what I went through for a little bit. And then I'll, I'll think about it. No, no, he teaches us that when someone comes to you, that you're to forgive them. You're to love your enemies. You're to pray for them. Uh, people that use you and despitefully use you and talk nasty about you. You're to bless them. You're to pray for them. You're to love them. Why would Jesus teach us to love our enemies and to do good to those who uh, to, to use us and are nasty to us and persecute us? Why? Because he was on the other end of that. That was us. We were his enemies. We were separated. We were the ones using his name as a curse word. We were the ones in rebellion. We were the ones, and he loved us. So now he teaches us, you do the same to other people. I love that about the Lord. See, because grace becomes sweet when sin becomes bitter. And when when the sin in our lives, the pain and, and the torment of sin becomes bitter, grace becomes so sweet. 
the, the, the grace and forgiveness of the Lord, you understand it. Jesus said that those who are forgiven much, love much. When we have that understanding and that revelation, understanding that God has, we were the enemies, we were the criminals, we were the ones, and God didn't have to do it. I don't know why he did it, but he did it. And this is what's so amazing about the grace of God is that we didn't deserve it, but he did it. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. It was that one-way street. It was a, he took it first. He, he came to us. He sought us. We didn't seek Him. We, we weren't looking for Him. He came looking for us. We didn't choose Him, as the Bible says, but He chose us first. He, uh, we can love, as the Bible says, because He loved us. I love that about the Lord. Amen. And one of the things that is very clear about repentance is that we, we agree. We just simply agree. We agree with, uh, you know, what God's saying and what God's Word says about us. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right, Lord. I, I shouldn't have said that. I'm, I'm wrong for doing that. I, I, did, I, didn't, I, I can't do that. And so I agree with that. It's taking responsibility. It's saying, Lord, I agree with that. I agree that I was wrong. I agree that what I said and did weren't right. And then there's a godly sorrow. It's not just being sorry, because a lot of times when people say, oh, I'm sorry, they'll do it again. Uh, that's just human nature. But when there's a godly sorrow, when we allow the Lord to really work deep in us and say, you know what, Lord, I, I really am and genuinely sorry for that. Um, there's a godly sorrow. The Bible says that it leads to repentance, and I love that. Or the, there's a godly sorrow. And thirdly, that we confess to God. Then we receive from the Lord. And then there's an action. So that's how repentance works. We agree. There's a godly sorrow. We confess that we receive from God. And then there's an action. Jesus showed us this. He showed us that repentance is the only acceptable action for forgiveness. Repentance is a call to action. It's not just saying uh, God loves you. Stay where you are. Stay the way you are and stay where you are. But it's saying that God loves you and he wa wants you just as you are to come out of where you are. Amen. And he receives you and he loves you. And he begins to do a work in your life. And when Jesus is all you have, you'll realize that Jesus is all you need. I love that. I love that quote. And I, I just want to read this scripture Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. The Bible says that in, for in baptism you see how your old evil nature died with him and was buried with Jesus. And then you came up out of, the, out of death with him into a new life because you trusted the word of the Almighty God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead in sins. Your sinful uh, desires were not yet cut away. But Jesus gave you a share in, the, in his very life, in his very life, because he forgave all of your sins. And he blotted out the charges proved against you and the list of commandments which had not, you had not obeyed. He took the list of sins and he destroyed it by nailing it to the cross. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record. That, that's what it means. It means that the old arrest warrant that was out for us, amen, he canceled it. He deleted everything uh, that, that could, so that it can't be retrieved. And all this was done because he said forgive. And I love that about the Lord. As I thought about this this morning, I thought, you know, I'm probably like that Roman soldier. I was so busy, caught up with my own life, so caught up in, oh, I thought this was the right thing to do. There's a, there's a way that seems right to every man, the Bible says, but the end of that way is death. 
And I, I was going my own way, and I thought, well, that's just the way. I'm going to do what I want to do and what I feel to do and what I felt was right at the time. And, but I realized that I, I was not right, and I was not living right. I was without God. I was separated from Him, and I was in my sins. And, you know, I was like that Roman soldier. I was just doing so many things that I thought were what I should be doing. But Jesus looked at me in my condition, and He said, forgive Him. He doesn't know what He's doing. But I want to thank the Lord, amen, that even... A Roman soldier, back in, in, in that day, um, under the cross, there was a Roman soldier that knew that Jesus was real. And I love that. So the be- biggest question today that begs a question in this sermon, the last words, I believe is the question we've always asked, and the, the biggest question in life is why. Why would God do this? Why, why would God forgive us? While we were yet sinners, He loves us and died for us. Why, why would God do this? I'll tell you why. Because of His great love. Because he, the Bible says that He loved us so much, amen, that He sent His only Son to die for us. To be the, that place that we, we deserve that. But Jesus stepped into that place that we deserve for no other reason but His love. And we can't, I just can't figure that out. So Lord, I, I don't understand why you would do it for someone like me. I just don't get it. But Lord, I receive it. I'm so indebted to the Lord because of it. And, and the, because of the way the Lord loved me, He said, now turn around and love other people the way I loved you. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to do that. So we receive the forgiveness that Jesus extends to us. And we need to show it to others in the power of the last words. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I want you to just think about some of the areas in your life or people in your life that maybe you haven't asked the Lord to forgive you of or to ask other people for forgiveness. Or maybe there's people in your life that you need to forgive. You, you need to release them. You need to let them go. You need to let these situations go. I'm not talking about being irresponsible or enabling people or anything like that or, or staying in an abusive situation. But I'm saying that you need to just say, God, I forgive. I forgive first. I forgive first. And remember the last words of Jesus. At this holiday season, as we celebrate Palm Sunday today, uh, this time, the season of Jesus' death, bearing resurrection, One of the most powerful things that we could move in right now is forgiveness. We can say, God, I know that, Lord, thank that you've forgiven me. Some of you are struggling with the forgiveness. You you feel the overwhelming guilt and shame and condemnation of your sin and your actions. You need to come to the Lord just where you are, right where you are, the way you are, and say, Lord, you love me. How can you love me? How can you love somebody like me in this condition The fact of the matter is, He does. He's always loved you. From the very beginning, He's loved the human race. He's loved us. But we're the ones that fell. We're the ones that disobeyed. And because of His great love, even though we disobeyed and turned our backs on Him and lived in disobedience and lived in all these things, He came up with a remedy. He came up with a plan to give of Himself for us. What a great God. Why don't you just receive the forgiveness of the Lord today. Receive the forgiveness of your sins. Receive forgiveness and then release other people. Forgive them. Let them go. Just say, God, it's not worth it. It's not worth it, Lord. You said if I don't forgive others, you will not forgive me. That's just the way it is. So, Lord, I want, don't want my prayers to be hindered. I don't, want my, uh, I don't want blessings to be hindered. I don't want my children to suffer. I don't want my home to suffer. I want to be free. I want to be released in the power of forgiveness, the power of the last words of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for today. Thank you for this time that we can celebrate 
Lord, we celebrate you all the time, but we can celebrate Jesus Christ. And Lord, I just thank you that you are working in the midst of everything that we're going through. You're working. I'm going to pray, Lord, for those that are watching today in their homes, with their families or uh, friends, Lord, online. Maybe uh, somebody listening and watching for the first time. I pray for them. I pray that you would show yourself to them, that you would minister to them, strengthen them. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would meet them right where they are. And if they don't know you, that you would, Lord, visit them. Let them know your love. Let them know the, the mercy of God that is for them, that you are for them, Lord. You are, Lord, with them. We pray, O oh God, that there would be a confession of sin and then a forgiveness of sin and a freedom from sin. We just thank you, God, that you are no respect of persons. It doesn't matter who we are, where we're from, what we've done, Lord. You, your forgiveness is for every person. It's your will that, that, that everyone comes to repentance and receives forgiveness, Lord. Through Jesus Christ. Lord, also we think of today, we think of the, the medical staffs and the hospitals and, and the first responders, Lord. Pray for protection. I pray for strength. I pray for courage. I pray that you would surround the families and children with your protection, Lord. We pray that this uh, virus that is uh, horrible and it run rampant in our nation, Lord, will be curved in the name of Jesus, Lord, that remedies will be found. God, I pray that through this, through all this, Lord, first of all, we're not going to be moved. But second of all, that we would see what you're doing, that we would just see what you're doing, Lord, because you haven't forgotten us. You're, 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 you're still with us. You're still right here in the middle, Lord. You're right here. And so, Lord, you haven't abandoned us. You, it seems like you're far away at situations like this, but God, you're right here. And I thank you that you're God and you're going to work a miracle. You're, you're going you're gonna to blow us away by all the awesome things that you're going to going to do through this, Lord. I pray for those that are suffering, Lord, financially and in their bodies through sickness. Lord, I pray for healing and I pray for provision in Jesus' name. I just thank you for it. You're such a good God. We love you so much. Amen.